Hi, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Ball Don't Lie podcast. I am your host, Audie Elmore. Um, Let me just start off by saying, first and foremost, that I absolutely apologize for how entirely trash the first episode of this podcast was. First of all, it was terrible. Secondly, half the stuff I said was wrong. And I really did it on a whim because I've had this idea of a podcast in my head for quite some time. And I've always wanted to do it, and I figure, okay, if you don't do it, you're never going to do it. And I was at work, I had nothing to do, I had all this equipment, I said, okay, fine, I'll do it. And I just did it, and I didn't think anything of it. I Obviously, if you listen to it, first of all, God bless you. Second of all, I obviously didn't prepare at all for it. Um, And I just went off the top of my head, and truth be told, that was the third time I had tried to record it. The other two were much better. Um, but I had some issues with what I was trying to do, so I messed it up. And, um, yeah, so it was the third time. I was frustrated. I was tired of it, and I kind of wanted to go home. So I said, okay, whatever. I just did it, and I wasn't even sure if that was ever going to even be posted anywhere at any time. So ends up it was, and it was terrible. But um, thank you if you listened, and if you're here, you obviously – need to seek some sort of medical attention because you came back for a second episode. Uh, So thank you for that. So um, basically what just happened was we had week one of the NFL season, and it was tremendous. We had um, really a lot of interesting things that happened over the weekend, Um, a couple of great games. We had some blowouts. Like we, We love to see the Pittsburgh Steelers getting blown out on Sunday night football. We have a ton of, of stuff happening uh, with the Antonio Brown situation, who, when we last spoke, was unsure if he was going to be playing for the Raiders uh, on Monday Night Football. Turns out he's not going to be playing for the Raiders at all. So we'll get into that. Um, and then, you know, we're going to go through and, and talk about some of the games and some of my takeaways from from what we what we heard and or what we saw on week one of the NFL. We, we talked about a lot a, a little bit last week about um, – the Bears and the Packers and the 100th anniversary celebration of the NFL. So that was set up, or that game was played. It wasn't set up. I mean, some people believe that, but it, 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 that's neither here nor there. The game was played, um, and it was a very, very ugly game. Uh, the final score was 10-3. to The Packers won it, and I wasn't sure, you know, going. I, I wasn't sure what to expect going into that game, but I did pick the Packers to win, Um. And I was told that I should stick to being a producer and let the adults handle this when I said that to Woody Page of ESPN. And he tweeted back at me and said, you know, stick to being a producer on the radio, let the adults handle this. And he was picking the Bears. Um, So my response to Woody Page of ESPN would be, um, how about you let the kids handle it from here on out? Because the Packers won. I was correct. And Matt LaFleur... um, overcame a rough offensive night and a great Chicago Bears defense, and they won the opening game 10-3. to um, And what was a, a pretty solid it – was, it wasn't a great game, but it was, you know, guys playing football, guys being dudes. You know how it is. And um, that kind of set the stage for week one, and a lot of people were wondering, well, God, are we going to see a bunch of terrible football in week one? And the answer to that is no, unless you're – well, unless you're a Miami Dolphins fan, because you were treated to 60 minutes of downright awful football. And if you're a Cleveland Browns fan, um, and trust me, we will get into that. The Cleveland Browns fell 43-13 to 
to the Tennessee Titans in Cleveland. So that was uh, that was pretty hilarious. We also had a tie between two of the worst teams in the NFL, so that's exciting. Uh, we had a couple blowouts, and we had some good games. We had some close games. So um, I, I don't even know where to start. I guess the, the, the one that, that jumps off the page at you is the Baltimore Ravens. They annihilate the Miami Dolphins 59-10. to Hollywood Brown in his pro debut was really, really tremendous. Lamar Jackson looked great. He only ran the ball, I think, once for six yards. And they just dismantled the Miami Dolphins down in Miami. And let's be honest, that's not a hard thing to do. The Miami Dolphins are are probably the worst team in the NFL. There's a very good chance that they are the number one pick in the 2020 NFL draft. They've got a rookie head coach. They just traded their their best offensive tackle and their best wide receiver. They don't really have a running back. Their offensive line is, is neither here nor there. Their defense, they have some good pieces, but they really have nothing. And I think it's it's pretty obvious to to the naked eye and to anyone that follows the game of football that that the Miami Dolphins are not focused on 2019. They're focused on 2020 and beyond, and and that's fine. But to go out there and lay the egg that they'd laid against the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday was pretty embarrassing. 59 points, the most in team history for the Baltimore Ravens, and I think 42 of them were scored in the first half. A couple other things I found interesting. The Minnesota Vikings destroyed the the Atlanta Falcons 28 to 12. Now you may think 28 to 12. That's uh, that's not destroyed. The game was much much further than 28 to 12 indicates. Uh, Dalvin Cook had two rushing touchdowns. Kirk Cousins only threw 10 passes for 98 yards. He completed eight of them. That's right. The Minnesota Vikings starting quarterback Kirk Cousins, the 90 million guaranteed. He threw 10 passes. Eight of them were completed. For 98 yards, and they won the game 28 to 12, and it was 28 to nothing for most of the game. Uh, Matt Ryan threw a couple of interceptions. He did not look very good, and, and it was just I was surprised to see that sort of effort from the Atlanta Falcons on one hand, and on the other hand, I wasn't surprised at all because Mike Mike uh, Mike Zimmer, the, the man, is one of the best defensive play callers in the NFL, and he knows how to shut down a good offense. That that game kind of jumped out to me a little bit because first of all, I mean. Who throws 10 passes in today's NFL? Really pretty much nobody. And the fact that they did it, they won comfortably. He threw for under 100 yards. I thought that was a really, really, really interesting thing. Um, interesting just, you know, from start to finish. And, you know, and then you look at the Vikings, like I said, he only threw 10 passes. They handed the ball off to Dalvin Cook 21 times. He had over 100 yards, 111 with two touchdowns. Um and, and they really, like I said, it never felt close. The Falcons uh, threw interceptions. They had punts blocked. They fumbled the ball. They they did everything you could imagine bad, and the Vikings did it well. So that, that game was, was, was one that I thought was relatively interesting. Um, and another one that I can't believe, but I can believe, the Bills, a 16-point comeback late in the game to beat the New York Jets at MetLife Stadium, 17-16. to just hilarious. Um, I, I I don't have any like rooting interest for the Jets. Like, there's some teams in the NFL you just hate for no reason. There's some teams you kind of like for no reason. I've always been neither here nor there on the Jets, but I do think it's funny when they continually fail. So the Jets lose in in somewhat dramatic fashion on Sunday, and the Giants get blown out by the Cowboys, thirty-five to seventeen. 
And the headline on the New York Daily News today, today being Monday, is 154 days until pitchers and catchers report. So that kind of puts you, that kind of tells you where they're at in New York with with what their expectations are for for these football teams this year, and obviously what their expectations are going forward with the Mets and the Yankees. So I thought that was relatively funny. I know you're thinking, wow, that's so funny. You're not even laughing. Uh, okay, I mean, I'm just talking to you, all right? I'm just trying to – I'm just getting you set up for some of this stuff. The Colts had a great comeback. They gave the Chargers a game, and the Chargers ended up winning that game 30-24. to uh, Run through some of the other scores here for you. Uh, like I said, Packers over the Bears 10-3. to The Eagles, who started off very shaky, um, came back and beat the Washington Redskins 32-27. to um, the Chiefs dismantled the Jaguars 40-26 to in Jacksonville. Sammy Watkins had an incredible game and definitely has a lot of t- a lot of fantasy points that game, including three touchdown receptions. Like I said, the Tennessee Titans destroyed the Cleveland Browns 43-13 to at First Energy Stadium in Cleveland. Just makes it just it brings a, it just brings joy to my heart to see that. The Rams escaped the Panthers 30 to 27. The Bengals fall to the Seahawks 21 to 20 and I think a game that surprised a lot of people with how well the Bengals played that game. They went toe to toe with Seattle. Their defense actually looked like a defense that could keep them in a game that could do something here and there. So I was impressed with the Bengals in a lot of ways and we'll get into that. The 49ers beat the Buccaneers 31 to 17. Like I said the Cowboys over the Giants 35 to 17. The Lions and Cardinals tied at 27. And your your Sunday night game was thirty three to three, the Patriots over the Steelers. And as we speak right now, they are warming up in New Orleans um, for the Saints and the Texans. And then later on tonight, when I'm recording this, you'll probably hear it on Tuesday or Wednesday. But later on tonight um, will be the Broncos and the Raiders. So two Monday night games. They haven't been played yet, but I just have to record now because that's what works best for me. So. That is that. And, and those two games, I'm not really sure what to expect. I think the Saints are, are not traditionally good uh, in openers, but they are traditionally good at the Dome. So I think with them being at the Dome, fired up, the fan base still pissed off after everything that happened uh, with the officials in the NFC Championship game last year, I think that, that that's going to be a tough game for the Texans to win no matter how well they play. And then the Broncos and the Raiders, you really have no idea at all what to expect from either one of these teams. Um, but uh, I have a feeling that, that Gruden will have those boys ready to go, and I think the Raiders will win that. So we'll find out. Um, we'll find out. And you'll be watching this, and I'll probably be wrong, and you'll be thinking, God, this guy's an idiot. I'm never listening to this podcast again. You know, hey, you know, you're you're fair in that assessment. I, You're completely fair in that assessment. So let's start there, actually. Let's start with the Oakland Raiders and kind of this this saga with Antonio Brown, that this this timeline that has happened with Antonio Brown. So in March, the Steelers trade Antonio Brown to the Oakland Raiders. And they did this for a third and a fifth round pick. If you're Oakland, that's great value. This guy is one of the best, if not the best, wide receivers in the NFL. He is dynamic. He can just carve you up underneath. He can stretch the field over top. He catches 100 balls a year. And he completely changes your offense. And John Gruden was salivating over him, new GM and Mike Mayock. Everything made sense for them to get Antonio Brown. The only problem, kind of, 
is that Antonio Brown had a rough exit to his time in Pittsburgh. He wasn't showing up to practice. He was getting in fights with people. Just nothing was right with him. That's why the Steelers wanted to move on in the first place. So they move on, and Antonio Brown becomes a Raider. Then in July, as we're heading into training camp, he's placed on the non-football injury list, and he reported to training camp with a foot injury due to frostbite. So he went into the cryotherapy machine or tube, tunnel, whatever it is. I don't even know what it's called. He goes into this cryotherapy, and he has frostbite on his feet. Severely burned, or severely frostbitten feet. Didn't wear socks like he was supposed to or shoes like he was supposed to. And now he can hardly walk or run, and it's going to take some time for him to be able to come back from this. So he comes back from it, and he's about to or he's about to come back from it, and all of a sudden, now he's got a problem with his helmet. The NFL has a mandated rule. Helmets after 10 years have to be um, – you can't use them anymore. They have to be certified within 10 years, and that's a player safety thing. That's something that the league and, and the players' union and everyone has been fighting for for player safety. So A.B. all of a sudden doesn't like his helmet. He tries on all these different helmets. And meanwhile, while all this is happening, he's not showing up to practice. And now he's at the point where he's healthy. And he could be practicing. He shows up to practice basically whenever he wants. And no one's really sure what to want to think of this in Oakland. You, in Oakland, you kind of see it playing out uh, a little bit on hard knocks. And, and it's just the whole time you were thinking, something's not adding up here with Antonio Brown. Um, so, so he finally signs with Zenith football, gets the helmet that he wants, shows up to a couple practices and then training camps over and we're about to start the season. Then he posts a photo on Instagram of the fines that he accumulated during training camp. And this isn't anything special. This happens to players all the time. If you don't show up to practice, you get fined. If you don't do you know if you don't show up to meetings you get fined if you're late you get fined if you're wearing the wrong equipment you get fined so on and so forth so come to find out Antonio Brown has racked up $53,000 worth of fines from the Oakland Raiders which is normal for any player anytime you mess up you get fined that's how it works so he he racks up all these fines posts this picture on Instagram he's obviously not pleased uh with Mike Mayock with the Raiders for for fining him and then a couple days later, or maybe even the next day, he tries to go after the general manager, Mike Mayock, threatens to punch him in the face. He was held back by Vontez Perfect, of all people. Vontez Perfect, who some, who some people are saying is the reason for all of this because he knocked Antonio Brown out uh, a couple times over the course of their careers in Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. So Antonio, Antonio Brown's getting held back by Vontez Perfect and some other players from going after Mike Mayock, the general manager. He ends up calling Mike Mayock, Mayock a cracker. And it's just like, what are you doing, man? Like, what's going on? Why can't you just play football? And then he is starting to release these YouTube videos, this video series of his time and this turmoil. He uh, records a phone call with John Gruden, who Gruden apparently gave him approval for it to be used. Um and post that, which seemed to be a pretty serious and private conversation. And then another day goes by, Instagram, he posts and asks the Raiders to release him. Next thing you know, the Raiders release him. 
if you're the Raiders, it's not the it's not the worst thing in the world. You're saving thirty million dollars. That all gets voided because he asked for his release. He had conduct detrimental to the team. He was probably going to get suspended by the team. So the the Raiders save basically what they what how this transaction works. They lose a third and a fifth round pick and they gain thirty million dollars. Not the worst thing in the world to get this headache, this giant headache off your team. So Antonio Brown is has been released. He becomes a free agent officially due to the the way the NFL works and paperwork at 4.01 p.m. on Saturday the 8th. And by 5 o'clock on Saturday the 8th, he had signed a one-year deal with the New England Patriots. What does that say to you? To me... You know, I've I've read a lot about this. I've I've looked at it in, in a couple different ways, and and when I really look, sit down and think about this, I think, you know, I think there was a plan here, because the Patriots originally tried to trade for Brown in March to the Steelers, and and I'm heard I heard that they offered him offered the Steelers a first round pick, and the Steelers, understandably so, were not going to trade to the Super Bowl champs and a team that has consistently stood in their way the best receiver in the game. Why would they? It doesn't make any sense. So they trade him to a team out of their division, a team that's not considered to be a contender, a team that's quite frankly just not very good. And they get two picks out of it. Not a bad deal for the Steelers. They're moving on. They've got another receiver in Juju Smith-Schuster that is and potentially could be the future of that team. But now it starts to feel like Antonio Brown wanted to be a Patriot the whole time. Or if not a Patriot, somewhere other than Pittsburgh, somewhere other than Oakland, so on and so forth. He just wanted to be a free agent. And then it was reported today they've added a year, uh, a second-year option worth $20 million, which is unheard of for the Patriots, to AB's contract. So now there's a chance he's going to be there for two years, making almost the same amount of money and playing for the best team in the NFL. It just didn't add up from start to finish on hard knocks, from start to finish March until until now. Nothing really seemed to add up. It would, it always felt like the the marriage between A.B. and D. Derek Carr, Derek Carr, uh, Derek Carr, Derek Carr, Derek Carr. I don't know why I repeated myself. I'm an idiot. It seemed like the marriage was always flawed. It was just there wasn't that real connection. You knew that Gruden had to treat him differently. And this is a guy, Antonio Brown, that had a great story coming out of Central Michigan. He was, un, he was just, he, he, I don't, I don't know if he was undrafted or not. I think he was. He was unheard of, and no one really knew what to expect. And he turns himself into one of the best receivers in the NFL. And all of a sudden, what happens? He gets paid. He gets money. He gets attention. He gets fame. He gets popularity, and he changes himself in a complete, just totally. And that's not, I mean, who, who would suggest and, and who wouldn't think that fame and popularity and money wouldn't change a person? Of course it does. Of course it does. But this is the NFL. This is different. You're, you are the face of a franchise. Why? What, what does this behavior mean? Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? In the words of Taylor Twellman, what are we doing? What are we doing? And so it's just like, come on, like it, it, nothing makes sense. Someone help help make sense of this for me because it does not make any sense to me whatsoever. So 
Long story short, Antonio Brown is a New England Patriot now. He couldn't play last night against the Steelers, uh, just the way it worked out. Um, and he, they, this, the Patriots didn't need him. They decimated the Steelers. But he will be playing next week for the for the Patriots against the Miami Dolphins. And I'm sure the Dolphins are just thrilled about that. Um, so there's a lot a lot going on here. I think there's there's definitely going to be some tampering looked at with how quickly he signed with the Patriots. Um, it just it it has not added up from the second from from the second this all happened. It just it, it just didn't make sense. And quite frankly, I wouldn't be surprised if he had a plan all along to just get himself a free agent, sign with New England, and be a pain in the ass to the rest of the AFC in Pittsburgh or, or whatever. Long story short, he's a Patriot. The best team in the league got better, and now everyone else has to deal with it. But that being said, I don't know. If he continues this sort of behavior, that doesn't fly in New England. Everybody knows that does not fly in New England, period, point blank. And it would not surprise me at all if this doesn't last more than a few weeks. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if he gets in there and shuts his mouth and produces and 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 makes the most of all of this. And the Patriots are right back in Miami in January or in February holding up another Lombardi trophy. Wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, and it also wouldn't surprise me at all if he's not on the team next week. So I'm not sure what to expect. I'm really not. It's just it's just it's a really, really weird and peculiar situation. And um, I think if you're Pittsburgh, you're you're glad he's not there anymore. He obviously didn't want to be there. You're frustrated and upset that he's with New England, but you know they've got their own problems to worry about. Antonio Brown, it doesn't work. It you know it really doesn't matter in in the long run. So switching gears, let's let's get back a little bit to another AFC North team. <laughs> As you can hear the joy in my voice. The team that was crowned as one of the best in the NFL, the team that was that was crowned as as the AFC North champs and a serious contender in the AFC, the Cleveland Browns were absolutely throttled at home on Sunday, losing by 30 to the Tennessee Titans. Now, the Browns haven't won a, a week one game since 2004. It's been like 5,000 days or 7,000 days or something crazy like that. Let's take a look at the numbers here. Baker Mayfield, 25 for 38, 285 yards. That's not bad. Touchdown, not bad. Three picks, not good. Nick Chubb, he carried the ball 17 times for 75 yards, no tutties. Um, and Odell Beckham led the team in receiving. He had seven catches for 71 yards. He was targeted 11 times. And, you know, you look at all that, and it's really, it's really not that bad at all, um, numbers-wise. But they just couldn't figure it out offensively at the end of the game. Baker throwing touchdowns, or well, to the other team. Baker throwing interceptions. Derrick Henry and, and and the Titans' offense. Who? Let's take a look at those numbers. Marcus Mariota, nothing special. Fourteen for twenty-four, two hundred and forty-eight yards. But he threw three touchdowns, including a massive one to Derrick Henry on a screen pass. Henry Henry carried it nineteen times for eighty-four yards and a touchdown. AJ Brown, who had a tremendous rookie debut for the Titans, he only caught three balls, but they were for a hundred yards. Um, Delaney Walker, who I have a clip from him in a second about what he said after the game. So it was just a game where there was a lot of disappointment, obviously, for Cleveland. Listen, I'm not saying they're not talented. I'm not saying they can't continue and put this behind them and win a lot of games. I'm not saying that's not going to happen. 
But what I said last week and what I want to reiterate here is the games are not played on paper, period, point blank. And if you legitimately thought that the Browns were just going to walk out week one and destroy the first few teams they play, and they very well could destroy the Jets here next week, but if you just thought they were just going to walk out there no struggles, you need to seek immediate medical attention. I mean, they have a rookie head coach, second-year quarterback. The sophomore slump is real. We've seen it time and time again. And they don't have necessarily an easy schedule. The Titans, which I told you last week I didn't think were that great of a team, are still competitive. They still have a solid defense and a serviceable offense. They can't just walk over teams. And this is what Titans tight end Delaney Walker had to say after the game. We're circle this game. We'll be, we, this is just another game. We ain't worried about it. I'm going to tell you again, man. They were who we thought they were. Y'all can crown them if you want to crown them. Still got to play football. There you have it. Channeling his inner Dennis Green. I love it. They are who we thought they were. And listen, other NFL teams know that the media has been hyping this team up more than anything and that they have to go out and execute at the end of the day. And they have to meet them on the field, not in the media, not on paper. And listen, Cleveland, like I said, they're talented. They've got a lot to work with. They've got a lot to be excited about. But nothing made me happier on Sunday than watching the Cleveland Browns get decimated at home by the Tennessee Titans. So if we're going to talk about the Browns losing, we of course got to talk about the Bengals losing because that's my team. That's the team I follow. That's the team I love. That's the team I'm in a love-hate relationship with and have been for 24 years. Uh, thank you to my dad for that. Bengals really impressed me on Sunday, honestly. Um, I wasn't sure what to expect, but I was giving them the benefit of the doubt. A new coaching staff, a new offensive scheme, a new defensive scheme, a few new players. I was expecting, honestly, not much. I didn't know exactly what I was expecting, but I didn't expect them to play as well as they did on Sunday. Andy Dalton throws for a career high, 418 yards. John Ross finally shows up with 150 yards receiving and a couple touchdowns. Um, what really killed the Bengals, they just couldn't finish when it came down to it. A couple turnovers, uh, including one in the red zone. They could never get the running game going. Joe Mixon, uh, and, you know, Andy Dalton threw the ball 51 times, and, and Zach Taylor said in this postgame press conference, listen, they were stacking the box. The running game wasn't going to get going. We weren't going to force it to get going. And 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 you know, to his credit, he he did what he thought was right and they kept throwing the ball, they kept moving the ball. They did fine. They just couldn't finish drives. They missed a field goal, which obviously ended up being the difference in the game. Um so I think if you're a Bengals fan, you have a lot to be excited about. I mean, a lot to be excited about. You had Sam Hubbard Geno Atkins, Carlos Dunlap, all those guys making significant plays uh, for you on your defensive line. Sam Hubbard had two sacks. He ended up with like four quarterback hurries, seven total tackles. He's one of the most popular Bengals, a hometown kid. He was very, very impressive. Um, and, and the defense in general was, was relatively impressive. They gave up a couple big plays, which we're used to seeing them do that. But at the same time, they were able to get after the quarterback. They shut down the run game pretty well. And they forced Russell Wilson to beat him, which a lot of teams have forced that to happen. And a lot of teams have lost because Russell Wilson's one of the elite players in this league. And, you know, it came down to it. The Bengals couldn't finish and they lost the game. But I think you come back to Paul Brown Stadium next week. You have 
the San Francisco 49ers, who are a, a solid team, but are still a, a big question mark for a lot of people in the NFL. And I think the Bengals have a legitimate chance to win that game. They lost their running back, Tevin Coleman, to a high ankle sprain. He's going to miss some time. Joe Mixon, who left the game with an ankle injury for the Bengals, is uh, day-to-day. It doesn't seem to be serious. The x-rays gave him back negative, so he could play on Sunday, but if he might not. And, and obviously the Bengals have showed they don't need a running game to move the ball. Joe Mixon obviously is going to be a big part of that going forward, but it's not the end of the world if he doesn't play on Sunday. So long story short, I think if you're a Bengals fan, you have a lot to be excited about and you have a lot to be happy about. Um, and uh, I think going forward, I think the team, and as I said this last year, I think they're going to, or last week, they're going to surprise some people. They're not as bad as the analysts are saying they are. They are not as bad as some of the national media is suggesting they will be. And uh, I truly think, and like I said last week, every team in that division could go eight and eight, seven and nine, nine and seven. I truly, truly think so. So, um, some stuff to look forward to next week. Obviously, there's a great slate of games. The thing that I'm most excited about, Thursday night football is back. We only have to wait a couple days, Tuesday and Wednesday, the longest days to wait ever. Um, but you do have some good games on Sunday. I think uh, Cowboys, Redskins will be sneaky good. The Seahawks at the Steelers will be another good one. Um, the Vikings at the Packers is always good. Um, and then you have Saints-Rams, the 425 game, which uh, the revenge game for the Saints, that's going to be in Los Angeles at the Coliseum. Um, and then your Sunday night game, the Eagles at the Falcons, and Monday night game, the Browns at the Jets. Your Thursday night game, I skipped over it, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the turnover machine, Jameis Winston, famous Jameis Winston, um, at the Carolina Panthers to take on Cam Newton. Full slate of games, can't wait for it, really excited. Um, and uh, so so a little bit changing gears about what to expect. We're going to have some guests on eventually. Um, I like to talk to to my friends. We're going to have some of my friends on to just talk sports and just kind of to switch it up and, and change the flow of everything a little bit. Um to just kind of talk ball and and get their opinions on things. So we're going to do that. I was actually hoping to have one of my friends, a big Steelers fan on today, but he couldn't make it. And I wanted to kind of get his opinion on Antonio Brown, and we'll still do that. Um, And we'll get into some college football as well. I spent the weekend in Columbus with my friends watching the Buckeyes dominate the Bearcats 42 to nothing. So we'll talk a little bit about that. There's a lot going on in college football. Uh, The baseball, the, the, the baseball Baseball is winding up. They're on the push to the playoffs. I think there's a lot to talk about there. There's always something interesting going on in the NBA. So we'll get into all that. But like I said, right now the focus is going to be football. The focus is going to be the NFL and kind of my takeaways from that. Um, So this is going to be the end of another episode of the Ball Don't Lie podcast. Um, Thank you so much for listening. I apologize for the first episode. I know this one was better, but it probably wasn't still great. So please... Uh, let me know your feedback. You won't hurt my feelings. Um, I still kind of have no idea what I'm doing. So I like the idea of just of learning as I go and building and getting better. I appreciate those of you that have reached out. I appreciate everyone that has said something nice. And uh, like I said, hope to get better. I'm less sick now than I was last week. And hopefully I continue to get less sick as this goes on. So thank you so much for listening to episode two of the Ball Don't Lie podcast. And uh, we will see you next time. Thank you.